Welcome to the Guna Ramble, a Guna's World podcast. No gimmicks, no satire, just a little bit Arsenal. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to one and all. My name is Jizza, and this is the Guna Ramble podcast. On today's show, we'll be joined by the, well... The, the host of the uh, world-famous Burkamp Wonderland. We've got Guna Gimli. We've also, we've also got um, regulars Mo and Callum, and we'll be discussing, um, on tonight's show, we'll be discussing the, the, the Napoli game and the Champions League draw. The fallout from the City game um, is involving, you know, Perman and, 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 and Ozil. Also, can the squad sustain a challenge? And the three percent uh, ticket increase, and then we'll be wrapping it up with the thirty-second um, rank. So let me start by introducing our special guest today, Guna Gimli. Good evening. How are you doing, sir? I'm I'm not too bad at all, thank you. I think you're a bit a bit polite by saying world famous, but there you go. <laughs> I thought I'd give you as good an intro as I possibly could. Oh, you're too kind. And how are you? I'm not too bad, sir. Thank you for joining us this evening. Mo, how you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad, thank you very much. Really, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're happy about today's result. Uh, the, the, um, Sorry, what, what, what result was that? Some small team was playing some team from up Scouse land or something. Oh, like what, what happened? I don't know. 5-0 at home, I think. Five? Really? Team, yeah, some Middlesex team got, wow. got beat by some team from up Scouse land. That's, that's embarrassing. Yeah, it must have been, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cal, how you doing, mate? You all right? Not bad, Joe. It's not bad. Thank you. Good stuff. Good that five-nil right. sounds like a violent beating. <laughs> Way. <laughs> it, it sounds like a thorough spanking. It does, doesn't it? I haven't got one. <laughs> oh, well, I was going for the AVB reference. Ah, um, I see. Another vacancy beckons. Oh, that, yeah, that, you get that joke <laughs> Lo- Loving the hashtag AVBin. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get our teeth into the, this evening's subjects. Let's start with the uh, Napoli game. Um, you know, we went over there, top of the table. There was any number of permutations and equations. Uh, we came away with a 2-0 defeat, but still qualified. Some people were saying that, you know, second place, we've, we've shot ourselves in the foot again. You know, we've got to go and play either PSG, Atletico or Real Madrid, Barcelona or... Bayern Munich. Guys, what do you think? Let me start with you, Gimli, as you're the guest on the podcast. What, what did you think of, the, of, of Wednesday's game and what did you think about the draw? Who, have you got any fears, expectations? Um, if we, we start off with the game, I think, uh, first of all, I think I was a little bit disappointed with the squad rotation on that. I think um, he could have rested Giroud and put in Bentner. Uh, I think there were a few other players as well. Uh, to go forward, like, with the City game, he put in Monreal, um, when really Gibbs should have been playing. Now, why didn't he play Monreal for the Napoli game? We all know it was a game that, as long as we didn't lose by three goals, we would have been absolutely fine. And I, and I feel a lot of the players suffered in the City game because of it. But, um, no, I, I think uh, as it goes, there's not really a lot you can say about it. It was a loss. uh wasn't a particularly brilliant performance. Um, but in, in any uncertain terms, we've got the job done, I suppose. You know? Cool. All right. Um, uh, Cal, what, do, what are your conclusions from 
Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, it was um, pretty poor game all in all, but you know, I think I kind of expected Napoli to really come at us, and um, they didn't for a large part of the game. We nullified them quite well without really offering too much and attack ourselves. Um, and, you know, we went down to what was a, a very good finish from Higuain, and you kind of knew in your heart of hearts that he was going to score at some point, just, you know, obviously with what happened in the summer. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's disappointing to, to, to lose and to drop down to second, but, you know, I think when you consider the group we had, it was undoubtedly the group of death, and, you know, we've gone out, we've gone through at the expense of a very good team, you know, Napoli, uh, winning 4-2 tonight against Inter as well, I think, and, you know, they've been playing really well all season, so... Yeah, obviously disappointed to lose, but um, just happy really that we got through the group. I think a lot of people wouldn't have, you know, back in August thought we weren't even going to do that. So um, mixed emotions, really, wasn't it? Cool, uh, Mo. What did you think? Um, do you have did you have any problems starting the uh, um, Arteta uh, and and Lamini? No, not at all. Not at all. I think away from home, uh, that's a valid partnership. I don't like seeing that at home, but away from home, I don't mind. And especially when you are going there not to lose by three goals. It's, it's tailor-made for it. But um, for me, the first half is what I expected. That's how I thought the game would go. I was happy with the first half. The second half, for me, it just became very, very strange. Our mentality was ridiculous. The substitutions were ridiculous. Um, Arteta's red card, obviously, you know, that, that didn't help matters. And then I also thought the approach of Napoli was ridiculous as well um, when they're 1-0 up and they're passing the ball around I just kind of thought well you know you do realise that if Dortmund go and score then you've you really shot yourself in the foot and you're not going to be giving yourself any time I, I thought it was all very strange um, in that respect and I was livid I'll be honest with you that we didn't bring Theo Walcott on when we were 1-0 uh, down and Napoli found out that they needed a goal because all of a sudden they're pushing forward Giroud's not really doing much because he wasn't in the two banks of four uh, with Arteta sent off. And I just think, get him off, stick Walker on on the halfway line. As a result of that, they're going to have to keep it, you know, m- more than one defender back because of his pace. And um, it just takes one clearance of one through ball and we've got a one-on-one one goal and we can snatch a draw and guarantee top of the group. So, yeah, I, I wasn't happy, to be honest with you. I, I, I thought a few wrong decisions in there and I agree with the Gibbs-Monreal um, issue that uh, was mentioned by Gimli as well. It was really yeah. odd, wasn't it? Because you thought in one sense, like, if we... I mean, I thought Walker should have come on as well, but you kind of think... If we're too, we throw too much caution to the wind, they can go and score two more, and we're out of the, th- you know, out of it. But if we go and try and get that goal, we can get a point and then finish top of the group. So it was in this horrible situation where you're kind of in limbo, where you know you're not really sure what to do, you know. And I think Napoli suffered for it, didn't they? Because they thought that at one 0 as you say, my they kind of settled. And you think, well, you know, Dortmund were, you know, were probably likely to score against ten men Marseille, and you know, and. To be fair, Dortmund's goal was fluky as anything. But yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it was an odd game. Odd game. Well, I just think it's unforgivable we didn't bring Walker on. I, I really didn't understand that. You know, Giroud was knackered. Even Per Mertesacker after the game was knackered. You could mm. see it on them. It was a tough week. Gimli, do you think that there should have been wholesale changes made for that game? And, and if there were wholesale changes made, do you think we would have held out? Do you think, we'd have, do you think that the, the result wouldn't have been affected? Do you think we would have, come, we would have, we would have qualified safely? I think if you'd have put uh, the team out with a few changes in it, I, d- I certainly don't think we'd have gone and lost 3-0. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've got to look at players like Monreal. I mean, he's going to be pushing for the World Cup. Uh, he's got to go out and do something spectacular. Bentner has openly come out and said he wants to move away from the club. Now, he's not going to do that unless he puts in a, a few good performances. There's no better stage than the Champions League to go out and find a potential suitor for January. So you've got to think, with all that in mind, it's within their best interest to go out there and play well. 
Mm. Okay, cool. All right, guys. So the draws tomorrow for the last sixteen. Um, I'm of people have been saying, oh, you know, we've we've, we've shot ourselves in the foot. I'm of the mind. This is like Thierry Henry said. Look, we went. We, you know, we were on the way to the, the the Champions League final in 2006. We beat Juventus. We beat Real Madrid. There are teams in that draw that won't fancy facing us. That's my that's my opinion. I'm, and I've got to, I've got to take a positive outlook because I've got money on this. So, <laughs> um, you know, uh, who would you prefer? Is there anyone that you would prefer out of that those five teams? Uh, Athletic. Okay, give me, you want Atletico, why is that? I, th- I would just say, someone like Atletico or PSG, I don't think they've got, oh, we, we spoke about it on our one to get a cheeky plug in there, um, mm. but we said uh, that they don't necessarily have the Champions League pedigree that your Real Madrid or your Barcelona will have, um, and I think, you know, uh, PSG are beatable, Atletico are beatable too. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of history that, that has been there between us and Barcelona, would necessarily wouldn't like them. Um, in the next round, for obvious reasons as well. But for me, yeah, PSG or Atletico, and I think I'd be happy with that. The best of a of, of a of a bad bunch, I think. Cool, Cal. So I actually part of me would like Barcelona. I think we could take them. I think that in the way we're playing at the moment with the team we've got, I don't think. I mean, there's a lot of talk about whether we have this kind of inferiority complex against sides like Manchester United, yeah, and your Barcelona's. You know, the ones we've struggled against in the past, but. I'd rather have them than I would Bayern Munich. I'd rather have Barcelona than I would Real Madrid. Um, you know, for me, my attitude is, you know, the Champions League, you know, some teams when they go into the Champions League have an expectation to win it. So for Real Madrid, for example, they they really have to get far in the competition to to really to meet expectations of their fans. Whereas with us, it kind of feels like, you know, the league is what it's about this season. The Champions League, you know, I would love it if we got far in it, you know, and, and you know, but at the same time, if we go, if we are drawn against a, a giant of the game, which we probably will be, you kind of feel well. If we go out in the, in the last 16, you kind of hold your hands up and say, "Oh well, you know, I mean, probably not the best attitude to have." But that's kind of my feeling about it. And whatever, whoever we're drawn against, it's going to be two great games to watch and get excited about. And you know, and if we do beat them, these teams, then we'll, we'll be a great memory, like you know, uh, the Dortmund game in the group stage or beating Barstow a couple of years ago. These kind of games that you remember for years to come. So. Right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited, really, more than anything. Cool. All right, Mo, who do you um, want? Yeah, uh, out of the teams, I'd say PSG or Atletico. I've, you know, I, I think the Spanish league is stronger than the French league, so on that basis, considering that Atletico are level pegging with Barcelona right now, I, I think I'm leaning towards PSG, uh, and, you know, uh, as Jimmy um, said about the Champions League pedigree. So, overall, I'd say PSG and then Atletico, but there's not much in it. But, you know, um, talking about going out of the last 16 and stuff and maybe not minding too much, like... Arsenal's business model depends on Champions League football. Maybe less so now with new deals coming in, but you know certainly this season it still will. And um, the difference between getting out at the last 16 and the next phase, you know, it it's about well because it will be the extra game. It will be about I'd say minimum five million quid. So it's it's really really important to our business model that we get Champions League qualification and then push on from there so much money involved in it so that, that's why I'm really disappointed we didn't go and chase that draw and guaranteed finishing top of the group because I want to get through as far as we can and it's such a big boost to us but yeah PSG or Atletico I'll take but on the other hand if we get Barcelona and Messi's injured I'd fancy our chances if Messi's playing they're the luck well them and Bayern I just do not want Mm, well, I suppose Neymar's not all that easy, really. <laughs> Messi's just Messi's just another level, though. You know, yeah. I show when he would have him, don't worry. 
<laughs> cool. All right, so um, that's cool. Let's move on to the uh, small matter of the uh, yesterday's game against Man City. Um, don't know really what to say. I mean, on the one hand, terrible defending. On the other hand, we're the only team to have gone there in the league this season to score three goals against them. So, you know, um, there's been all kinds of fallout from the from from the game on on various social media. Um, I don't know what to to, to, to to make of it. Mo, I'm going to start with you. What did you make of yesterday's game? All right, well, um, you know, for me, obviously gutted. It's one of them ones where if you look in your heart of hearts, and I hate admitting it, and even before the game when people ask me, I was like, yeah, it'll be one all. I reckon it'll be one all. But I think with me, if I'm predicting a draw, you probably know I think we're going to lose, because um, otherwise I'd be saying we're going to win. So deep down, I, I was nervous about the game. And, yeah, you know, it wasn't a massive shock. But what annoyed me... And what I didn't like to see was I felt like it was the Arsenal of old. If this season we've got real solidity, real discipline, and um, we've shored up them holes that we used to have. And in the past, you've kind of seen Arsenal playing, you've thought to yourself, either we can go out and be brilliant and win the game, or we can go and get pretty embarrassed. And it was one of them ones again where it just wasn't that solidity. And, you know, we ended up going and losing 6-3. And... When, when stuff like this happens, I always look at it on a ratio basis. So uh, it wasn't 6-3 in my head, it was 2-1. So that's how I'm going to remember it. But, um, you know, there were certain things that we hadn't seen all season. Koscielny for the first goal, absolutely sleeping. I'm not going to have a go at him because we all make mistakes at work. But what I likened it to was I've been at work at my computer and I've sent an email where I've been talking about an attachment and I forget to send the attachment. You know, it's just momentary <laughs> lapse of concentration. So Koscielny didn't send an attachment. I can forgive that. But, you know, we just haven't seen him do that that often. And it was just a shame to see all of that happen. But, you know, I, I'm sure all of us will mention this as well. Some of the decisions on another day, the game really could have gone a different way. And um, I don't think it was a penalty, for example, but you've seen them given. Mm. Two of the offsides weren't offsides. Uh, the, there were two others that I'm not sure about. So little attention, but he, he caught he caught Giroud with his studs up on the knee, okay. and it wasn't even a booking. That's another one that seems to have gone under the radar. It was that kind of game. Yeah. But and, and also, you know, Koscielny getting um, injured and stuff. So I, I think on another day, it genuinely could, could have gone either way, but the game was just too open for my liking. And um, I saw a bit of criticism on, of, of, of Arsene Wenger, where people... Th- there's this stupid myth that Wenger doesn't know tactics, and people were saying that he, he just has this philosophy and he goes out and says play, and he doesn't actually have a strategy, he doesn't have a tactics, and it doesn't have any tactics, and this is why we lost the game. And I just reference people, if anyone's listening that believes that, go and watch the Dortmund game away from home that is tactics that is a strategy so he has got it sometimes things don't always work out as planned and that was just one of them games that was my cool. analysis of it alright Cal? yeah I mean it was a, it was a crazy game and, and you know like Mo I, I kind of predicted a one all draw or something and but deep down you know City at home are, are a different beast you know they're just scoring for fun and, and you know really when you when you make the mistakes that we did they're going to punish you so yeah, it was gutting to lose. It always is, especially when you're the only kick-off and you have to spend the rest of the weekend watching other teams win and stuff. So um, I don't think it's it was a game that kind of represented the Arsenal we have now. Like, I think, OK, there's a freak result. I don't think, for example, that our defence is suddenly shit because we, we shipped six goals. I think, you know, we conceded once in November um, and we've been largely brilliant this season in defence. And, and we just had an off day. I think it didn't help that we had Napoli midweek. We got back into England at 4am Thursday morning and then to play up in Manchester on the Saturday at 12.45. You know, it's not a very large turnaround time. So, yeah, I mean, I think what Mo said about the officials, you know, you did have that feeling of we were on the wrong side of a lot of decisions. Um, 
but at the same time, I think we probably did deserve to lose the game. Um, as far as like the title race goes, like Man City, I think are favourites, and and if they can pick up their away form, then it's going to be tough. But um, yeah, I just think we came up against uh, a really good side who were on great form, and you know, we were a bit tired and not at our best, and. You know, we still managed to score three goals and we could really have scored five or six if things had gone our way um, with regards to decisions. But just just a, a gutting gut performance, but nothing long-term that worries me too much. Gimli, um I had a discussion with somebody on Twitter yesterday and he said that, um, you know, the reason why we lost the game was mainly down to the officials. <laughs> that, was the, that was the basis of his argument. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. But, but watching the game yesterday, what, what, what conclusions did you draw? I mean, did you think that, you know, the officials had that much to play? That they played that much a part of the game in, 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 the, in the outcome of the game? Or? I think first and foremost, you've got to say what a great advertisement for the Premier League that game was. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we were on the wrong side of, of the result at the end of it. But, I mean, what you've got is you've got two very good teams in a rich vein of form who are scoring goals for fun. Um, we haven't had to worry that much about the defence because we've been that good up front that it's not really been an issue. Um, and, and Man City, from what I've, I've seen this season, have been the only team to really, really push, pull and stretch and, you know, pull players out of position and, and really make us look a bit iffy in defence. Mm. Um, as for... The officials' decisions, I think, you know, the Giroud one should have been a goal. I think Bentner should have been a goal. I, I disagree with Mark. I think we should have had a penalty. I think it should have been. Um, Walcott was through if he doesn't have ball it. Yeah. It, but if, it came off his leg. But it came off his leg. So. That's, that's not the point. It's, it's, if his yeah. arms were down by his side, which is, you know, in the, in the handbook where they should be, then it wouldn't have had an arm to go off. It would have but been through to Walcott and then, you know, it's in the lap of the it's, goal. It's unnatural. It's just absolutely natural to do that. And there has to be um, kind of the intent for it to be hand to ball. And there, I think, clearly it wasn't. And, you know, look, I am a gooner at the end of the day. I'm trying to just be completely objective because, it, you know, I... I I, I feel like there's no point in me I feel like saying it if I don't believe it, but that that's my opinion on it because of no. the intent. No, of, of course. I mean, everyone is entitled to look at it, and I mean, you've probably got 99.9% of all Gooners on Twitter with the Gooner rose-tinted spectacles yeah, on, exactly, exactly. saying that it is going to be a penalty. I mean, it wouldn't have made that much of a difference on the day, mind you. you never know. But, but um, no, I... <laughs> But from my point of view, and, and you see a lot of decisions in the Premier League week in, week out, and that is a bread and butter decision, and normally it goes in the favour of the striker that it should have been a penalty. But, you know, hey-ho, I think if they all lived off the same rules, then maybe we wouldn't be having this discussion right now. It's funny because if, if, that, if that incident happened outside the area, or any other part of the pitch, because would the rip would have blown up? It's a penalty. Uh, it's, it's a free kick, yeah. yeah. I just think the key point point is that if his hand had not been up and raised there, the ball would have gone through to Walcott, who's then one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And by having his arm raised, the ball has not gone through to Walcott because it's hit his arm. But Callum, there's no other way. When you raise your leg like that, your arm naturally comes up. Do it now. Stand up and do it. (laughs) I'm going to do it. Fuck it. Doesn't it feel very unnatural to have your arms by your side when you're raising your leg up to the side like that? And 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 because of that, when it's... Off his leg onto his arm. I personally, you know, like don't get me wrong. I wish yeah, I've got it wrong. Them, in my opinion. You, you know, do, you and see, that's the thing. I, I agree with you, Mo. You do see them giving yeah. weak 
that you, you see them not given. Yeah. And I think, for me, it was more ball to arm. Yeah. But, Wasn't there you know, one with Cazorla, uh, whether it was this season or the back end of last season, that there was a penalty when the ball was going to be crossed in and it came off of his arm and that was a straight penalty? But guys, let me, let me ask you this. If it was Mertesacker, we're winning 2-1 in the last minute against Man City away from home and they oh, get yeah, penalty for that. Would you be saying... Oh, go home. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? Complain, Would you be like, saying it's a pen? In my heart of hearts, no. No. Why it was given, like... I don't know. Yeah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter too much now, does it? There was yeah, so much happened right. in that game. As we can talk about ifs and buts, but yeah, true. Yeah. There's, there's seven other things in that game, you know, decisions that could have changed it one way or the other. So what I didn't, what I didn't, what I, for me, what I didn't like to see in the game. So many times I saw Flamini ahead of the ball, and I'm thinking, if he's ahead of the ball, who's defending? Who's yeah. who's there kicking the back four? Because you he know. was doing the running of two men in that game. He, I thought he had a good game, Flamini. Well, one of the best performances. That means that, that means somebody else. Obviously, that means either uh, Ramsey. You're thinking you're saying Ramsey or and um, Wiltshire weren't doing much on their Wiltshire side. Wiltshire was shit. I think Ramsey was good, um, but you know Ramsey's never going to be particularly disciplined defensively. Um, and I think we might have played Arteta and Flamini had they not had Arteta not played a long game in the week and was probably quite tired. So. Um, I just think when you when you're playing against Yaya Torre, he's and well they played three in the middle, didn't they? Torre, Fernandinho, and who was the other central? Silva was it? But anyway, but yeah. I just think Torre is such a when he's on form and he, you know he was pretty good at the weekend, you know. And Flamini was trying to close him down. And yeah, you I know, don't know. I felt I felt yeah. like he, he did a lot of running Flamini and um, actually was one of our better players. And we really suffered when he came off. You know, the, we did we, we lost so all shape yeah. after he came off? Yeah, we we, we lost all all shape when he came. Just lost the hold in the game. Though I want to say though quickly that uh, Monreal got a lot of shit from 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 people after the game, and I just thought, come on, he he hardly plays. Jamie's you know, usually on for the last ten minutes covering for um, you know protecting. Kieran Gibbs there was no protection on his side of the field from what I could see a lot of the attacks were coming down his side of the field he's got he's got Zabaleta who I think is probably the best right back yeah. in, in yeah. the Brilliant. you know all round and and you've got um, who's the other guy on the came right? on with what 20 minutes to go I mean you're knackered anyway he comes at you he had a lot of I mean he had, he had Zabaleta he had another guy coming down that wing you know, um, he's not played very much. Um, Koscielny, I think, I think everyone had a bad day, really. But, yeah, you, know, was, but, you know, Monreal seemed to be getting a lot of shit from it, people. It was because of Negredo as well. Negredo yeah. was very, very good at getting in and behind the defence. Yeah. And when Monreal was going up the field, which is our mentality of play, mm-hmm. to, you know, to break from the fullbacks as well. And we always have our fullbacks you know, three quarters of the way up the pitch, when you've got a player like Negredo that has got fucking tons of energy, he, he just had bags of space on that, you know, on that left side, and which meant that uh, Vermaelen was having to cover his position, which was leaving Mertesacker in the middle of defence, having to cover everything. And of course, you know, we all know from the day that, you know, Fernandinho, that there were some great goals that he scored that day. Um, yeah. It's just you can't say that Chesney had a crap game because he didn't. No, no, no. Yeah. And that's another thing. You bring up another point, Gimme. I see some people was having a go at Chesney. Oh, this is Chesney of 2012. I was thinking, fuck off. No, it's bollocks. He didn't have a. He didn't. It have reminds a bad... me of like I mean the eight twos. We don't really like to talk about it, but I remember yeah. that game. He didn't. He, he couldn't have anything about the mate. goals. Four. Mm. <laughs> 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 I mean, like you look at the goals and you think, what could he have done about it? It was just exposed. I mean, like the Negredo scores from what three yards out. Fernandinho is allowed to run through the pitch. 
for me, fucking Milner died for the penalty before anyone says anything about yeah. that because he yeah, was yeah, on yeah, his yeah. way down. Yeah, he was at yeah. a 45 degree angle and by the time his leg touched Chesney, and I he thought that leg, was... he kind of moved his leg for me onto Chesney's yeah, leg. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was, but of course, Michael Owen, no, no, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Definite penalty. Well, anyway, yeah. like, guys, you know, who cares? I just, I, I, I'm kind of sick of talking about it. You know, the one thing I think we can all agree on is that um, this doesn't mean we can't win the league or that we're out of the yeah. title race. Some at the end of the day, look at Man City's away form. If they go and lose against Fulham next week or draw against Fulham and we beat Chelsea, it's mm-hmm. as if this weekend never happened. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just get fed up with this kind of knee-jerk And also, like, you've got to think is people, oh, here we go, we can't beat the big teams. It's like, He's beating Dortmund away. Not a, are they not a big team anymore? And who's no, second in the table right now? With we're first in the table at the moment. No, yeah. Oh, oh second in the yeah, table. We beat Liverpool comfortably. Exactly. Like, we made Suarez. Suarez didn't score against us, and he exactly. scored I, every so other game. Much like. Look, Man City are expected to win at home. It would have been a shock if if it was the opposite. If this happened at our place, then I think yeah, we'd need to worry. But you know, I I just I just hate the knee jerk reactions. Just I'm happy to stay positive. If someone offered me this league table. At the start of the season, I would have flipping eaten them whole. Never mind, bite their arm off. So <laughs> I just think, yeah, perspectives needed. Like, and the thing yeah. is, like, we could well beat Chelsea next week, and if we do, the whole picture looks a lot more rosy. Exactly. You know? And uh, and the thing is, like, uh, for me, it's kind of like I just think back to how I felt on the opening day against Aston Villa, and just to be in the title race is a great thing. And yeah. I would, you know, we've had a really tough time of it off the back of the Napoli game, tired squad. I, you know, I just think. If we're in amongst it, it's brilliant. We're still top, like, and we still could well yeah. be. It could be even more points clear next week. So yeah. I just think the game needs to be seen as an isolated one and not yeah. something systematic and of the way we're playing at the moment. Just the last thing I'd mention is that, you know, um, I'm sure some of you guys must have heard of the stat where when uh, our first choice back four have started games, we haven't conceded a goal in flipping ages mm-hmm. when they've all been on the pitch at the same time. And we had one of them missing for the whole game and the other one, uh, and one of them missing for half the game. So, you know, out of the four, we had Gibbs missing for the whole game. That's down to three. And then Koscielny went off to so down to, you know, two yeah. and a half stage. Marlon did game. okay, though, when he came on. I yeah, think uh, I'm, not, I'm not pretty No, I know you're not, I know you're not, but it's worth but if saying. If we had all four on there, I, I, I yeah. wouldn't imagine we would have conceded six. So, just mm-hmm. on another day, basically. Basically, we're two points clear and we've got both games in Manchester out of the way, so... Is that I mentioned that as well. Okay, Kim, you want to say you want, you want to add yeah, something? Yeah, um, just wanted to say quickly that uh, was it the Manchester United team of last season didn't actually beat any of the top four and still went on to win the league. It was either that team or I know a team of the last three years in the Premier yeah. League. It, it didn't uh, or didn't beat any of the top four. Something like I Mo, know there's a stat like yeah. that. Mo, you were supposed to come up with. We had a discussion yeah. on AFTV, didn't we? You was, yeah. Uh, and someone called me out on this, G, about where, where's my analysis. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, you got me. But I, I came up with a little blag saying that I think it's uh, best to release it between the City and Chelsea games. So mm-hmm. I will be releasing that. It will be the big six analysis, but I did say to you that I'd, I'd also do a I big four. I think four. based yeah. on uh, the way Liverpool play today, they're going to finish top four this season. And exactly. And, week, so. and that's why I want to do a big six analysis, because who, who mm. can say this year who the top four are going to be? So it I won't be Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, or potentially United, but my big six, be top six probably. I'm, I'm going with the traditional expectation in terms of, uh, ma- well, when I say traditional, I mean uh, flood the game with money tradition. Um, so Man City, Chelsea, uh, Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham. So that, I, I, that is I, my I, big six analysis. I don't remember Tottenham at the moment. I yeah, know exactly, but I'm, I'm, as I say, I'm trying to go with yeah, the Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Now, I, see, this, this is why I said, Mo, you've got to do a four. You've got to go through the, the top fours of the previous seasons 
and in doing analysis on it, if you do six, it's too big of. It's, you, that's, I don't think yeah, it's true. Yeah, but you can't like pass out the result against Liverpool off because Liverpool exactly. beat Man United this season. Hold on hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Liverpool haven't been. They haven't finished. If Liverpool finished top four in the previous five or six or seven seasons, including, we can only go on the results from those seasons. But gee, I just think beating is. Liverpool this season is more impressive than beating Tottenham, wait, wait. even though can we, can we, we just, Tottenham can... finished above them last. Southampton, do you can say Southampton? No, no. Oh, listen, that let me was make a joke saying they're going to finish ahead of Spurs, but let me explain my logic here. In in previous seasons, it's been a like for like comparison because it has generally been the same top four. But this no. year, if I look at the previous seasons and I select Man U, Chelsea, Man City, for example, or well, yeah, you know, hey, them three, or them three hey. teams. It's not a like for like anymore because no one really knows what's happening. Man City and Chelsea, I can take definitely, but out of the other ones, I don't know who to take. So, if say for example, I take Man United, I'll do that as well, G. I'll take Man City, Man you take G, the four, and Chelsea. You take the four that finished fourth, the, the top four in the previous seasons. But whoever finished top four in the last season, whoever top four, finished top four season before that, and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. But then who do I? It's, it's not relevant. Who finished so, top four three years ago, though? But G, G, listen, uh, let, let me kind of like put my point forward. If I do that, what do I compare it against? Because I'm going to track that performance against our performance of the top four this year. So, because no, they're the key games that we're comparing it to. So, who do you expect to be top four? If I say... You don't know. Ex- you don't that's know my point. Top four this season. That's my point. You can't, do, why... you, can't, you can't do a comparison against the teams this season because exactly. you haven't finished. But, G, that's my point, which is why a top six encapsulates all of these teams and then uh, removes that kind of unknown element. Because we can safely say roughly who the top six is going to be, much harder to do that than the top four. But as I said, I'll do both. Let's not argue over it. I'll just do both. I just think it would be unfair to say, well, we lost to Man United, but, uh, but, so that's bad, but then beating Liverpool doesn't matter because Liverpool are second at the table, have largely been brilliant all season. And for, they are very likely to finish in the top four, it's looking like. I just think we can't put, we can't, in, like, in the Tottenham game, even though they're a mid-table side now, they're still, it's a big game for us. But I, I just I've feel got, like you can't write off a Liverpool game. I've got, right, but if, somebody buy, if somebody buys Suarez in January, then that will, that will, he's not gonna, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, <laughs> well, but, they had, but they, had, they had Suarez when we played them. Hmm. And yeah. Suarez, you know. Anyway, deserves, all right. It deserves oh. um, praise. We, we'll, we'll, we'll wait for the Mo's analysis. Yeah. Anyway, I've got bare faces covered. I'll do both. Cool. All right. So, uh, uh, and also um, concluding on this part, like I say, I, I, I'm so glad to see uh, Fear back come come back. Yeah, great second goal. We all taking goals. You know what I mean? He looked he looked sharp. You know, um, and on another day he would have had another goal, wouldn't he? he would have had an hat trick. You know, um, he was his first one. The way the keeper just. He was sure it took a deflection, but he just stood there and watched it dribble past him. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so before we move on to another subject, let's, let's quickly cast our eyes and our minds over the Per Mertesacker and, and Ozil discussion they had after the end of the game, which a lot of people have sort of taken out of context, I think. I mean, I, I, I posted a pitch on Twitter about it saying, you know, he's giving, he's giving Ozil a, a mouthful. Apparently, um, you know, Ozil's come out and said that he apologises to the fans for for not uh, acknowledging him after the game. Um, I'm going to start with you, Mo. Right, um, what were your what do you what do you what conclusion do you draw from from that little TED talk? My first uh, first conclusion is as a result of that, I've got a huge huge man crush on Perma Asaka. You know what a legend he is. I'm, I'm going to like coin a new phrase, and it's per gets it, you know, like, per understands. He, he really seems to understand what it's all about for us fans, because for him to react to a player like Meza Ozil, a world-class £42.5 million pound player sort of thing, 
he he just does not care who it is. It's about the principle of how you treat the fans, and to to have someone that that's connect who is that connected on that basis, I love because a lot of footballers don't don't understand it at all. They're so detached from it. So you know, I love Perma Asaka for that. He should be like some sort of agony uncle. We should write in with our problems because he gets the fans. He really understands it, and um, I I liked. I like the fact that he did that. Um, maybe it's not the best thing to do publicly, but it was It was very... You could tell the emotions were riding high. He was so angry about it. So, you know, hard to expect him to keep cool, especially after losing. But the other thing that I like that no one's really mentioned is that Ozil hates losing. I like that. Yeah. Mm. You know, so it, it, I'm not saying it's a justification, but he, he was pissed off, and he should be, as should all of them. But he, he's apologised, and that's very decent of him. And... As long as it doesn't happen again, it's all good. Matter, matter closed. Cool. All right, Gimli, put yourself in, in Ozil's position. You've lost the game. You don't like losing. Do you think he was justified in... You know, do, you, do you see, as, as Mo said, do you see the reasons behind why he didn't uh, think of acknowledging the fans? Or do you think, you know, no matter what your your mood is, suck it up, go and acknowledge the fans. What, what, what's your thoughts? I think he has every right to be pissed off. And I, I agree with Mo. It's, it's not... Uh, a bad thing that he is pissed off it shows that he's driven he has a winning mentality you look where he's come from and the teams that he's come from they've been good teams that are used to winning um, I think like like what Mo said just an immense amount of respect for Per Mertesacker and going and doing that um, I, I, I have a likeness with Tony Adams to him because mm. Tony Adams was the kind of player that he didn't care if he was your best friend on the same team as you. If you'd done something wrong, he would rip you a strip right there on the pitch in front of everyone. Didn't care if you'd look stupid. Do you know what I mean? And I think Mertesacker from that, for me, has got to be in contention to be the next captain of Arsenal. Without yeah, doubt. With, with, without doubt. He's bags of experience and just a ridiculous amount of caps for Germany at the highest level. He's a top, top footballer, knows the game inside out, and has the respect for the fans that I yeah, think yeah. a great captain really needs. Yeah, yes, you're right. I was watching his interviews, post-match interview after the Napoli game. He spoke so well. I mean, you know, um, yeah. although we didn't perform on Saturday, you know, the, his, his answers to the, to the to the questions on Wednesday, I, I, I just had an, 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 you know, an ever-growing amount of respect for him. From coming from a point where when we signed him, I was like, oh fucking hell, we, I've seen milk turn faster than him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but he is becoming a cult hero at the club. You know, um, I, I go to every home game, every single home game without fail. At the end of the game, he'll he'll we shoot, you know, uh, into the north bank in the second half more often than not, ninety-nine percent of the time. So he'll, he'll be on the other side of the pitch. But he'll walk over to the North Bank every single time instead of going straight to the tunnel. And he'll curve round. And as he curves round, we all do the big BFG chant. And he applauds the fans every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really do like that about him. He, you know, he's just a cult hero now. Really is. How? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> as far as Per goes, you know, it's funny that, you know, talk about Tony Adams, you know. He spoke openly when he came about how he admired Tony Adams. You know, when he was growing up, he watched him play for Arsenal, and I'm sure he based a lot of his game off him. And it's clear that he has a great respect for the club, understands his role, whether or not he's wearing the armband or not. And, you know, seeing as over the years, people have often said we don't have leaders in the dressing room. Well, we've got an absolute inspirational guy there in in Perth. And uh, um, the incident itself, I posted this somewhere the other day, I said, you know, uh, so it was a very young man 
you know, he's new to the club, perhaps doesn't quite appreciate some of the traditions um, as some of the more experienced players have been in for longer do. Um, and he apologised. He realised it was wrong, and I don't think he took the conscious effort saying, I'm going to snub the fans. I think he just wanted to get off that pitch, and you can't really blame him for that. So, yeah, well, you know, I, I, this won't drag on like Sleevegate did. It seems to be yeah. resolved, which I'm happy about. And mm. um, So, yeah, it was great to see Per really display those kind of yeah. leadership skills yeah. that we know he has and as far as Ertzel goes I've you know very little don't really hold it against him it was a mistake he apologised and we can move on I was playing a bit of seven aside ask how um, on, on all you guys really mm-hmm. about the because on my on, on the picture <coughs> I posted it said Arsenal unrest and I just got somebody said yeah, yeah that, that bothered me a bit yeah, as well yeah. it's like yeah <coughs> it's, I think yeah emotions are running high I mean we've been beaten by City 6-3 and I felt bloody emotional after the game. <laughs> like it was pretty crazy the, the roller coaster we were on. Um, it, it, people, people will always look for a story, um, yeah. and you, there was sort of, you know, typified by the sleeve gate, which was a, a nonsense story that blew up into something people were actually talking about. Um, this is another thing that I'm sure you know. The media, I don't think they have a general against Arsenal, but in general, this kind of story, no matter what club it is, they want to try and big it up because it's, it's it's something interesting to talk about, but. Mm. For me, the matter was resolved, you know, between... I mean, Per and Ursula are clearly very friendly, and, and I think because of that, Mezzet's not going to be angry at Per, and Per's not going to be angry at him. It's just it was resolved between them there and then, and it was resolved between Ursula and the fans when he apologised. So, it just, yeah, people will try and look into it, into you know, being more than that, but it's nothing. This is a strong group of players that really get on, and uh, I'm sure nothing as silly as that would, would divide them at all. Cool. I just wanted to um, say as well, an- another um, incident after the game that happened was, of course, Jack Wilshere stuck his fingers up, or yep. he, uh, he stuck a middle finger up to the Man City fans that were breaking mm-hmm. after the game. There's a possibility that he could get up to seven games for that. However, the last... Oh, seven? Yeah, yeah, Seriously? Yeah, Didn't the last, just get one for doing Yeah, the, the last <laughs> incident was one when it happened. I just wanted to see how you guys felt about that. He's well, well, doing it, but... If, yeah, if you're he's saying he's going to get seven games, wouldn't well, he have been better off giving someone racial abuse? Don't yeah. FIFA dish out <laughs> less of a fine for that? How could you fight someone? You know. That's what the FA have said, that it, it carries a maximum fine of up to seven games. A maximum a fine? A maximum of fine of up to seven games. Well, I'm saying I mean, he will get that, because I doubt right. he will. He's right. English as well, so I'm sure there's a bit of... They don't really want to ban one of England's best players for... Two seven games, oh. whether that shouldn't that should matter, but it, it probably does a little bit. Well, I mean, it's someone, it's stupid. Someone, it's, you shouldn't be doing it. Like exactly. it's all that's kind of shit that Joe Barton does because he's not that good a footballer. But mm. you know, Wilshire needs to understand that we can't smoking this kind of shit. Is um, I, I completely backed him over the comments he made about Yanazai, but yeah. this kind of thing yeah. has to stop. Like you can't. It's all you know. It's all harmless banter until you start getting banned, yeah, and right. it harms the club. And that's what he has to take a look at himself and say, you know, none of my teammates would do this. Yeah, I need to stop it. That 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 is not what our club is about. Our club does have class. I, I, even other fans of other teams admit it. You know, we do have class, and this is not what our club is about. And he, he's and also Ar- targeted more by the fans, but of still, course, yeah. There. But Arsene Wenger has defended, uh, ha- hasn't defended him. He said, "Yeah, it's wrong. He'll have to accept the fu- the ban or whatever happens." So you know, we're not yeah. going to tolerate that. It's unacceptable. Simple as. 
Okay, mate, you've got something, a couple of stories you want to... Yeah, just just wanted to say, um, you know, about Urzel walking off sort of thing. I was playing football with my mates uh, a week back, uh, seven aside, and it got pretty competitive. And usually afterwards, we'd all go out and we'd chill out and we'd have a, have a little laugh and a chat about the game and just other stuff. And my team lost. I was so pissed off, got out of the pitch, got my money out of the car, gave it to the person and he just walked, walked off. Just, <laughs> and my mates were like, where are you going? I was like, yeah, I'm just going home. So I can't really accuse uh, accuse Urzil of doing that. I, I I personally think you know hating losing makes you a better competitor. So uh, I'm not one to point the finger at Urzil. I know how it feels, but luckily, well, un- unfortunately for me, I don't have fans watching me. And the other thing, um, I went to a mate's house uh, to watch the Arsenal Man City game. Uh, I haven't got BT Sport. He does. Popped over to his, and uh, he said to me, his name's at Has Kimji on Twitter. He said to me when Bentner came on. We both looked at each other and he goes, you know, if he scores, I promise you, I'll grow my hair like him. <laughs> and um, when when he had that goal disallowed, I actually kind of started celebrating. I was, I was like, I was over the moon. And then the flag went up, I was gutted. And then when Mertesacker scored his goal, both of us only saw a tall blonde person scoring. And and I was, I was kind of like excited again. And then I like, had the dream stripped away from me. It would have been brilliant. Unfortunately, not. Speaking about um, childhood memories, I remember um, playing. I was quite a bad loser as a kid, actually, and um, I remember playing a game and we'd lost. I don't know by the odd goal. I think it was last goal wins or something like that. And because um, I couldn't do anything about it, I was crying. And I, I, I actually, one of my players, one of my friends, were tying up their shoelaces, and I actually kicked them up the arse. Just as well. <laughs> and was this a couple of years ago? Was it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just, uh, I just turned my frustration out on somebody, and that, and that was it. So, um, hey, you know, we've all, we've all been there. Exactly. We've all done something. As long as it only happens once, you know. Exactly, exactly. Right, okay. Uh, let's let's uh, talk about the, the squad, the state of the squad, and can we sustain, can we maintain a trial challenge? We've got, we've got the chaps coming up, you know. Um, we've got nine days to recover, thankfully. We've got the chaps coming up. Um, it's going to be a big game. Um, and that's gonna again, that's gonna again test our resolve. We, we, you know, in previous seasons, people have said, you know, we've had a, we've always had a bad November. We've, we've negotiated November well. December, it's kind of a bit dodgy, it's a bit iffy. Uh, we've had a win against our whole city, but we haven't won any games since. Do you think this squad, do you think we can, do you think we'll turn up next week and we'll, and, and we'll, and we'll do, you know, we'll give them the, we'll, we'll, do ourselves justice and we'll break this Mourinho hoodoo. Gimli, let's start with you. Um, I think we have the ability to beat Chelsea. I don't think that you can deny that half the squad are hanging out their arse at the moment. Um, I just, for me, uh, it all depends on the January transfer window. I think uh, if we can make it past Christmas and into the, say, into the start of January with... Um, uh, still top of the league, sorry. Then I, I do think we can go on and win it, but I think he needs to bring people in in January. Um, I think the squad is... On, on the bench, we've seen a, a lot of a stronger bench this season, which is nice to see. But I think the players that you're relying on in the first team are starting to burn out now. So, yeah, as I said, to reiterate, yes, I do think we can beat Chelsea. But as for terms of can we win the title, I think it all hinges on January for me. Um, Mo uh, For me I, I, I'm actually going to Slightly disagree with that Because I think Currently we do have The team to win the league I genuinely believe that um, We do need, need A new striker But 
that's if Giroud gets injured. I think if Giroud can uh, actually stay fit and stay at optimum level, which is very unlikely, don't get me wrong, then when we do actually have the players to win the league. But realistically, you have to play the percentages and assume that he's not, he is going to start slacking a bit because he's not going to be able to maintain the performance and also he, he may well get injured. So, of course, we should buy a new strike and we do have to. But in terms of can we sustain it, we can definitely sustain it. And I've said from day one, it depends on lady luck. Now, when we go and add a world-class striker or add a decent replacement striker, that uh, minimises the element of luck. So, um, for me, it's, you know, that mixture of luck and signings. So, um, you know, the reason I say that is because I don't want to sound like I'm saying that we need to buy a striker in order to win the league, because I think that we, we can even if we don't, but it just makes it very unlikely to win the league if we don't, because I think Giroud will definitely be affected by the burden. So um, I think we can sustain it, and if we buy a striker, we'll be much more likely to sustain it. And we will beat Chelsea, I think. I really will truly believe we'll beat Chelsea. Well, Cal, uh, we've, got, we've got Mourinho coming up. Um, you know, and his Chelsea boys, you've got the hoodoo. He actually, um, said the other day that, I mean, he blames Benitez, Rafa Benitez for the squad he inherited. If I remember correctly, I don't know if Rafa Benitez actually brought anybody into the, into the, into the, into well, the Chelsea team. To blame Benitez or take yeah. Mourinho, but, you know. um, so yeah, I think, you, I think, you think we can do that. I week? think that when Mourinho was here the first time, they had an incredible squad. I mean, they conceded something like 12 goals in the first season they won the league. And yeah, Wenger hasn't done very well against him. I think the, the cup game early in the season, they won it because they, they've got a B team worth, I don't know, 200 million pounds, something like that, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I fancy us to beat them. I think we'll, we'll respond brilliantly. The, the, the big break will help. I hate having to wait so long, especially for it's a Monday night game. Um, but I, I fancy us to beat them. I think we'll turn up. I think we'll have our tails up. And this Chelsea side are shipping goals. And if we, and I just don't see us conceding, I think we'll score two or three. And I can't, I don't see us conceding three again after what happened at City. I think that's a one-off. Um, as far as our title challenge goes, I agree with Mo about not necessarily needing a better striker to win the league because I think, I mean, you look at Bayern Munich, they won everything last season without a world-class striker, you know, just because their midfield was that good. And obviously our midfield isn't as good as Bayern's, but it's still bloody good in the context of the Premier League. What I would say, though, is that we need that extra striker. We need that alternative to Giroud, really. I mean, I'm a big Giroud fan, but the last few games, he hasn't been at his best. And I remember last season, there was a little period where he, he went through a bit of a tough spell. Then I took him out of the starting lineup, and we gave Podolski and Walcott a go up front, and it kind of lessened the burden. And he, instead of having to play through a tough spell, he kind of come out a little bit, you know, just get a bit of time away from it. And then he ended up finishing the season pretty strongly. We can't really do that at the moment because Bentner really isn't a viable alternative in these big games. Um, so I, I think we do need to buy a striker, undoubtedly. Um, that could well be the difference. I think I think when you look to the team, I think our goalkeeper's good enough. You look at like City, you haven't, I'd rather have Chesney than either of City's keepers. Um, the defence, I think, is one of the best defences in the league, if not the best, despite the result of the weekend. Um, the midfield, we've got plenty of options there. And, you know, Giroud isn't as good as some of the other strikers out there, but if the midfield, if Ramsey and Ertzel and Wilshire and these guys are contributing, then we might not need a 25-goal, you know, striker. I think for us, you have to be kind of realistic as well and, and, and say to go from scraping fourth two seasons running to winning the league ahead of what is two very good Chelsea, Chelsea side and a City side, you know, it would be a huge ask. And for me, if we can just keep track of, keep up with City, towards the end of the season that would be huge progress for us and uh, you know I think at the moment I'd have us down as second favourites I'd have City as favourites us down as 
I think we, I think we can win it. I think we can, but it's going to be hard. it's going to be hard. It really is. And but I certainly think this team we've got the quality and we've got the you know I think we're we've got the experience and we're mentally strong at the moment. We've bounced back from every disappointment this season, and I would expect the same to happen against Chelsea and and over Christmas and and into the new year. So yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great season. It's going to be you know heartbreaking, I'm sure at times as well. But um, I, I fancy us to to keep the pace with City at the very least. I think we'll definitely show me for Shamak can score. Oh, well, he's yeah. playing well at the he's moment. Shamak, my bitch up. He's still a tosser. Did, did um, anyone hear the news that we're about to sign or in advance talks with Tony Sanabria from I've heard Barcelona? Him, I've heard his name, but I only he's on Wonder Kid, right? He's uh, he's I think he's Paraguayan. Um, and he's very highly rated amongst the Barcelona youth setup, and we've kind of got him on the same kind of deal that we got Cesc Fabregas on. It's in advance talk. He's told Barca he wants to leave, um, and I think we pick him up at a knockdown fee of about 300,000. So Anything to yeah. piss off Barcelona, like even if he's dog shit, I'll take him. Amen to that. The <laughs> <laughs> thing is, I want to ask him, do we have to give him back when he's good? When he gets well, if we pay 40 million for him, then fine. As long as we get eight <laughs> years out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Eight years and forty minutes at the end of it. Because I don't think there's deal. any uh, like any kind of thing in the contract that says that Arsenal can have him, but Barcelona can buy him back at a knockdown fee. It is uh, the contract's going to be he is going to be an Arsenal player, signed and sealed. And if Barcelona want him back, they've got to pay top wax for him. Do you, know, do you know what kind of player he is? Like, I mean, have you seen him play? He's a forward, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's a he's a striker. He's a out and out kind of Suarez type striker. Oh, Suarez type. <laughs> <laughs> Some, Sorry, that can, he can make something out of nothing. <laughs> good. I was gonna, that, good to me. He must, be good at, he must be good at Blue Peter then. Anyway, so um, <laughs> is um, is that is that an excuse? Have you already ma- announced that on uh, Burkamp Wonderland? We've not announced it. I would have announced it on uh, Thursday or Friday. No, Saturday. I think we're doing our Christmas one. Um, right. There you are. But yeah, that's that's going to be. I think it's probably just come out in a lot of the papers. But in advance talks, his agent has come out and said something on it as well. Um, if for anyone that wants to go and look it up, his name is Tony, and that's spelled T O N I, and I think it's S A N A R B R I A. Is it a way of spelling it? The girls, the female version. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Callum, so. you know that if he spelt Tony with a Y, he's not going to be as good as Tony with an I. <laughs> No, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Luca Tony was half decent, wasn't he? he was, exactly, yeah. 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 We could in five years we could have this Sanabria chap playing off Sonogo. That's our, yeah. our leading line. If he's not injured. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also I just want to say that Tony rule only uh is for forwards, you know, obviously not defenders. Not yeah. obviously. Tony you want to, uh, defending Tony you want him with a Y. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hardest version. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I, I conquer. Absolutely. Great. All right. Um, so that's that. Okay, um, Mo, you last week you printed, you you published on the uh, Gunnar Ramble blog the um, free is the magic number article. Do you yes. want to expand upon that? And sure, so I'll expand upon it. Three is the magic number, but three percent is not. It seems because of the reaction that the fans have had to Arsenal's ticket price increase for next year. Uh, Gimli, quick one. Did you read it by any chance? I, I haven't had a chance. No, I've, I've oh. been on a little bit of uh, sabbatical from Twitter recently. Okay. Oh, fine, fair enough. I just wanted to see just like, you know, how, how far it's kind of reached on Twitter. But I mean, so far, it's, um, it has had quite a lot of uh, hits. It's had just under 2,000. So, so you know, over, over 2,000. Oh, that's not bad oh. at all. Right, yeah, not bad at all. And um, generally, the feedback that I've got is quite good. 
Um, I was driving home from work on, on Friday. I was, I was stationary on the M1. <laughs> so I sent a tweet out saying, look, if I get 35 retweets about doing this bit of analysis to gauge the interest, and I'll do it. And they came flooding in. So there obviously was the interest there. But I was a bit concerned about doing it because no one likes a price increase. And I... New, I, I kind of had an inkling that when I do this research, it's going to present a favourable uh, conclusion to Arsenal. And no one's going to want to read that. You know, no one's going to want to agree with the fact that, look, Arsenal have actually been quite fair to fans. But, you know, nonetheless, I committed to doing it, so I did it. And the conclusion did support that when I looked at the inflation figures um, of the UK average inflation compared to Arsenal's ticket price increases. And surprisingly, the feedback that I've had is really, really positive. You know, people have actually said that, you know, yeah, it's, it's well written and, you know, it's uh, it's quite objective and fair and Arsenal have come out positive, positively as a result of it. In short, what I did was to say that um, we'll, take a 30, <laughs> we'll take a £30 base number as uh, the ticket price, uh, as kind of a, a ticket price in 2004-2005 season. And uh, what I did, I, I did my research to see what Arsenal did every single season from 2004-05 onwards in terms of raising ticket prices. So from 2004-05 to 2014-15 next year, we've raised ticket prices three times out of them ten years. Um, one was in 08-09, which is 4.5%. One was 11-12, which was 6.5%. And 2.5% uh, was actually uh, a VAT increase. So that was government-led, not Arsenal-led. And in 14-15 next year, it's going to be a 3% increase. Now, if you look at uh, inflation, UK average inflation for uh, the same 10 years, it's far, far greater. You know, I, I won't bore you with all the numbers. But what happens to that £30 base figure on Arsenal's ticket increases means that you'd be paying £34.39 next year for the equivalent ticket that you paid £30 for 10 years earlier. Now, if we take UK average inflation plus the forecast inflation for next year, that £30 base figure goes up to £41.05. So we can see Arsenal have significantly fallen short of, uh, of UK average inflation. And the reason that's relevant is that Arsenal's expenses will all be, it will all be affected by UK average inflation to that £41.05. You know, for every £30 of expenses they had in 2004-2005, next year, that will be costing them £41.05. And a huge chunk of their revenue being ticket sales for that £30 of income they would have been getting, they're only now getting £34.39. So I think that does show that they're not actually passing all of the costs on to the fans. And when businesses face increased costs, that's the easiest, laziest and most common way of dealing with them increased costs to pass it on to the end, end customer. So I think Arsenal do deserve a bit of credit for that. Yeah. You know, you, you have to consider how, how much does it cost to run a big stadium like that. And we're talking about average inflation, but, you know, one example I, I mentioned was British Gas. They've um, raised their energy prices by 9.2%. Now, Arsenal are going to be hit by that big time, yet the mm. ticket increase is only 3%. So I, I came to the conclusion that, look, we have um, been fair to the fans. I genuinely believe that. And a lot of people have said, yeah, we've got a really good TV deal, we've got a really good uh, shirt deal. But, you know, fair enough, valid. For me, it's not about the fact that, oh, if we're earning from elsewhere, the fans shouldn't have to chip in a little bit as well, because I feel like they should to a proportionate and fair level, and I think it has been proportionate and fair. Is that, my, in, line, my sorry, is that in line with the RPI? Then is that along them lines? Yeah, it's RPI, yeah. not CPI. I want to say um, quickly, Mo, though, but comparing it to an energy company doesn't really seem fair, because, you know, an energy company raises that price, you can look elsewhere, 
Sure, well, price, and you can't energy price. All the energy companies are doing the well, same. Yeah, true, yeah, but I'm, it just I'm seems not comparing it to an energy company. What I'm saying is that a, a, a large chunk of Arsenal's expense base, being you know the cost of running yeah. the stadium, yeah. is going to be affected by nine point by nine point two percent increase. So I'm not comparing the percentage terms. I'm just mm. saying that Arsenal are uh, just an example of one way in which Arsenal are going to be facing increased costs. Yeah. So it's not the percentage comparison that I'm doing there. But the the, the thing that I'd say. For me, the key, key issue is, and my first ever interview on Arsenal Fan TV where I said, you get what you pay for unless you're an Arsenal fan, is where is that additional income going to go? It's not about them getting additional income, because I look forward to the reports about the, the revenue league tables and that sort of thing. I want Arsenal to have increased commercial income, and I realise that the fans will have to contribute to that you know, um, every now and then. It's about where do we spend that money. If Arsenal guarantee me that that extra 3% is going towards the playing staff or the transfer kitty, I'm more than happy to pay it in a proportional way, and it has been proportional. So, so my conclusion is, on this occasion, especially this season, more than ever, this price increase is justified, considering we've bought Mesut Ozil, we're top of the league. If we continue to have this ambition and that expenditure on world-class players, I think it's proportionate so, and fair. So do you agree that even Gazidis and Tom Fox have done something right for once in Mo Hader's eyes? That's the big question we want answered, Mo. Well, look, if this is... <laughs> is, this is or yes. Mo, yes or no, Mo, do you agree... Or not? If it is Gazidis led, then yes, and it, and he, he would have had impact. He would have had influence on this because he things have to go through him. I've said this before when I've criticised him that he will have to sign off on things. He has signed off on this undoubtedly. They haven't done this, and he hasn't read it in the media. He knew about this. He had an input, and he signed off on it. So even Gazidis, well done. You've struck the right balance with the increase in ticket prices. Merry Christmas from Mohada. There you go, uh, Gimli. Have you got something to say on the ticket price and increase? Yeah, I mean, I agree with um, a lot of what Mo said there. Um, I think what Gazidis has done since he's come in the club, I mean, if you go back to five, ten years ago when we had, you know, average kit deals, you know, um, the minimal sponsorship deals, and they've gone out now and they're, they're basically pimping them out to all and sundry. I mean, the, the Puma deal that's going to be announced very shortly is a, a bumper deal. Um, but uh, I, I, I did a bit of analysis on this as well, Gimli, and for me, it's, it's not a bumper deal. It's on it the is compared to what we had before. From, yeah, from, yeah, what, yeah. from what we had before. It's most people's from what we had before. Guys, I've spoken about the UK average rate of inflation, and I've often thought about how can I establish a good measure, to uh, a good way to measure football rate of inflation. The football rate of inflation is astronomical. So when you look at it, if, if I was able to perfect this equation and develop that measure, I think you'd see that from what we were to where we are now, it's not that amazing. It really is. On, it's a market on. rate deal. I'll share the comparative analysis I did on the Puma deal with you, and you know I'd like to know your thoughts on that, but I'll do that <laughs> later. Oh, cool. No, no, far away. If you want to fire away, you can go for it now. No, no, you go for it. I'll, I'll, I'll pass We haven't got that much time. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. I was, well, the point that I was trying to make is, you know, I think um, Gazidis has done a fantastic job in bringing in the, the sponsorship deals. Like, like I was going on to say, even if you look at something minimal, like the Gatorade deal that they've just that they've just done, it all brings in money to the club. However, the, the problem that I have with the ticket increases um, is, is just the way that it it kind of 
excludes your bread and butter fans, really. I mean, I'm, I, if I could afford it, I would go to Arsenal every game. I would have a season ticket. Unfortunately, you know, I'm a, I'm a reasonably young man. I've just got myself a house. You know, I've, I've got a family. Uh, I'm, I'm unfortunately to that, I live in Wales. Um, <laughs> okay. and, and it's to, to go, and if I was to take my other half, because she's a massive Arsenal fan as well, if we were to drive from here to the game, uh, to, to the, to the ground and then back again you've got your, your food and your drink and everything it's really expensive I mean the, the bringing in these de- deals like this I, I think that they could do a lot lot more to pass some of the savings onto the fans and I know um, is it the FA came out with something about trying to make it easier for the fans and they gave clubs a certain amount of money yeah. to put in to to Make it easier, and I know Chelsea did something like giving free bus travel for ten games, and Arsenal did something like two pound fifty off of a, a, a ticket or something like that. Well, what can I'm you, saying, can, is I, can I just interject there? Because I, ju- I just want to specify that that wasn't money from the FA. Actually, that was uh, all the clubs put into a pod. The FA just set up the scheme. Ah, okay, okay. I, I stand corrected," said the man in the orthopedic shoes. Um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah. The, the point that I was trying to make is, I think, you know. You, you get a lot of fans going there to see games that are diehard. They will go there and they will sing. And a lot has been said about the atmosphere in and around the games and the safe standing and, and having your section for fans that want to sing and this, that and the other. I think at the moment, say, like I, like I did say, the bread and butter is excluded a little bit at the moment with the pricing. I, I really do think that. You know, it's unfortunate because in any industry, supply and demand are in, like, intrinsically linked and when you're not uh, finding that balance between supply and demand as an organisation, you know, as a business, you're not um, effectively using your resources almost. You know, it's kind of, you're, you're missing out on opportunity. And I do not want football to become like that. I really don't because it should be about the fans. But let me ask you the question. What incentive or why would you expect even Gazidis to want the fans to save money? Why do you think, well, give me one piece of logic why he would care. I, 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 no, I don't expect that for a moment. I, I, I won't name drop and I won't say any names because it's, it's unfair to say names, but I was speaking to someone who is not high up within the ranks of Arsenal, but someone that gets to speak to a lot of people that are, are high up within the club. And they had a sit-down meeting and off the record they were talking about ticket prices. And this particular man from Arsenal turned around and said that if he wanted to sell every ticket in that stadium, every seat in that stadium for £100 per match day, they could fill the stadium easily, no problem. So obviously, from an Arsenal point of view, it's not an issue. They probably think that the fans are getting a good deal at the moment. And I think that's where the problem is. And, you know, the reason I ask that question is because for me, and I've said it many, many times before, it becomes about ownership. I want Arsenal to be run by an Arsenal fan who has got a phenomenal record in business. Because when when you're an Arsenal fan, that's when you'll care about the fans because you represent them. If Usmanov was an Arsenal fan, Sorry, if Usmanov was uh, in charge of the club, being an Arsenal fan, then we can realistically expect, on a logical, rational basis, for him to care about the fans. Is he an Arsenal fan, though, or is he just saying he is an Arsenal fan? He is an Arsenal fan. And not only that, if you look at Stan Kroenke's net worth, um, Arsenal, as an asset, make up 20% of his net worth. If you look at Usmanov's net worth, it makes up about 8%. So for Kroenke, it's a much bigger deal you know, the value he extracts out of 20% of his resources. For Usmanov, you know, 8%, you can, you know, it's not going to be as 
as huge for him. So with them two things combined, if we had someone like Usmanov, I I, gen- I would not uh, be as accepting of the three percent increase because I, I would, you know, expect him to say, well, you know, he can afford to lose money on this and it doesn't actually matter. But do you think do you think he would actually turn around and say, I'm going to freeze the prices for the next for you know no. X amount? You don't, get, not, you don't get that much money. No, be no, that rich no, by. Like, do you know what? I wouldn't put it past Usmanov. Usmanov, um, he, he was asked about selling his shares because of the fact that the shares that he owns are worthless to him because you can't do anything with them. And he says, when you start selling what you love, you lose who you are. And he says, I'm, I'm not in this club as an investor. I'm, I'm uh, in this club as a fan who happens to be an investor. I, I know it might be good PR, but the things he said, I, I have faith in the guy. If he turns around, if he takes control, if he takes control of the board... We'd be better than Chelsea if he comes in, though. Can I just say, if he takes control of the board and he comes in and he says, for the next 15 years, ticket prices are present. In fact, those that sit in the North Bank and uh, on the lower North Bank and the lower clock end and the lower East Side and lower West Side, I'm going to reduce your prices by 10%. I will believe that he's doing, you know, what he sets out to say. But until that happens, I don't give a... (laughs) Money's there to be made. All right, well, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him. You know, and I wouldn't expect him to say the next 15 years, but I just think he'll give the fans a better deal because he reflects the fans, because he is a fan. He'll give a better... He'll probably go out and buy the players that we want to be bought, but I don't think he's going to freeze the ticket price. He certainly won't lower the ticket price. Sorry, we we said it on ours uh, a few months back. You just get the overwhelming feel from Arsenal at the moment. Anyway, it's... Pay your money, sit down, watch your 90 minutes of football and yeah. fuck off. They couldn't exactly. care. You are a bum yeah. on a seat. You're not a fan that's going to go to the club shop, spend £90 on stuff before the game. Just sit down, watch the game, off. And this you know is why I, mean? I want a fan to run the club, because if it was any one of us guys, and I, when I say a fan, I also said a fan with a proven sensational track record in business, because it has to be that, someone who can be objective and make the right business decisions. If it was me, I'd be too emotionally involved. But... I, I imagine Usmanov, with his track record in business, he knows the right decision when he sees it. And if he's reflecting on the fans, then we've got a better deal. The question was just asked, would we be another Chelsea? Uh, you know, would we be, just be as bad as them? And for me, if Usmanov comes in, he has to adopt the Arsenal way, and that is sustainability. I will take no satisfaction in buying the title. You know, and it has to yeah, be Yeah, but that's basis. the thing, though. Like, if we spent £40 million on Ertzel, if was, we spent that with money... No, there's not a Cronkase money, is it? It's money that we've earned as a club through yeah. winning, you know, through how how we make our money, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as Usmanov comes in, we're suddenly we're we're buying players through oil exactly. money, through crooked oil money, and I I feel very uncomfortable with the idea I, I, of of that. us. I, yeah, but the thing no, is, nobody Usmanov wants comes, that. Nobody but wants that, but you have to accept that football's changing, and maybe that's the way you have to go. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm never going to accept buying trophies. There's certain things I'll never accept: diving, buying trophies, uh, Nicholas Bentner's hairstyle. There's just certain things I'm never going to accept. And if he comes in, he has to do it the right way. I just believe that he's more passionate and more commercially astute, and and on that basis, we will benefit from him. I don't want how, to. How would you define buying the title? I mean, if he starts putting his own money into the club, yeah. any success we have from that point on is surely. You know, because you can't find outside it. investment. You can't find right. it, but it's very bloody obvious, isn't it? Look at Chelsea. Where were they ten years ago? Look at Man City. Where were they ten uh, years true. ago? True. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But I'm just that's, saying, that's we, we, we obviously we'd, our starting point would be a lot higher up than City and Chelsea started on. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. I mean, I'm really not 
well adverse enough on the subject to say definitively who I'd want in charge of the club. But I am somewhat uncomfortable with the idea of um, someone coming in like it's happened at City and Chelsea and the truth using the their money to buy... Well, I mean, because if Usmanov came in, would he just say, we're going to continue to spend only the money that we earn as a club, or is he going to say, I'll put in money, I'll, I I'll put in money, put in money. bring in... No, no, exactly. For me, it has to be sustainable. It can't be it's just not going to be arranged. But that's what it would be, yeah, if he's in, if he's in no, 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 it's like a Bramvitz, and that's what it would be. I disagree. Yeah. I, I just think that if he's got uh, kind of fingers in other pies and he's got a great network and stuff, he'll be able to use that to his advantage, just like Hicks and Gillette have done at Liverpool. They, they've what, done that and use it to their advantage with the Warrior deal, for example. He's and not, I, not there anymore, though, is it? It's the uh, Boston guy. John, yeah. John Henry. John Henry. Oh, yeah. Or oh, maybe it's him. I, I can't keep track. Gillette and whatever the names are, they were the ones that were shit for years and left. All right, so it might be Henry the Warrior. I, yeah. I spent too much time researching about Arsenal. So <laughs> member about them. Yeah, no, they're the Warrior. My, my thoughts on it are this, yeah. I don't think he's going to come in with us. I mean, he's, at every turn, he's, he's blamed the board for not doing enough commercially. So what, what makes you think that he's going to continue to adopt the commercial, the uh, self-sustaining model, I don't know, Mo, but I don't think he's going to sit there and say, continue as you are. He's not. No, no, but... Every it, turn, every turn, he's blamed the club for not doing enough. Yeah, he's exactly, and that's a good thing. He's saying you're not, you're not, you're underperforming, so he will... Yeah, but then, uh, to, me, that means, to me, that means he's going to go in, he's going to go in and he's going to say, oh, is Falcao available? All right. Come in. I don't, I don't mean, think it's... Sorry, go, man. Thank you. To me, G, it means that he's saying we're not. You, your brand has got an in, is an infinite resource. You can squeeze it endlessly, and that's what I think he's saying that we're not doing enough with our brand. I, I don't think it's going to. To be honest with you, I don't think it's even going to be an issue. Um, I know you know you got Josh Kroenke who's just recently joined the board. Is it this week or in, this week or last week? Um, yeah. Kroenke's gone out and he's bought a lot of the property around the stadium. This man is a man that is here to stay at Arsenal. And I can't see any progression or moving forward in the terms of ownership in the next 20 years. Mm. If we start spending... If we start spending the sort of money that we did on a, sort of on a consistent basis, start mind. landing these bigger commercial deals, I don't see it as too much of a problem. Me neither. No. And realistically, I think as far as Usmanov comes in, it's often like with a political party, you know, they'll say, I can't believe that the people in power have done this. But then when they get into power, they don't change it because they're not the ones who, did, you know, who made that decision. It was the other guys, so they can blame them. I kind of feel that if Usmanov came in, he might, all this, it's easy for him to criticise from the outside looking in, but when he get, if he were to ever get in, why would he reverse some of the decisions we're not happy with when we're all going to blame Kroenke for it anyway? So, I don't know, I, I think when, my point was when um, the Usman of Te- remember when um, a year ago there was talk of the Middle Eastern people coming and buying the club. Yeah. I kind of felt like we'd already sold our soul to an American owner. You know, we might as well sell it to someone who's going to actually spend money. We do seem to have spent some money now, and I I don't really like Kroenke or you know what he's done so far. I'm st- I mean, what he did with Urs or everything is a bit better, but. I kind of am more comfortable with a legitimate yeah. businessman than someone like Usmanov who seems very, very shady. And if he were to come in and start putting loads of his own money in, we're just like sitting in Chelsea. Yeah, I can't stress enough. It has to be the Arsenal way. It has to be sustainable. Has well, it class. And yeah, also, it has to be under financial fair play regulations now. Let's not forget that. He doesn't I have that choice. I, I agree with both Callum and Gimli. 
don't, we're, we're spending money consistently now. We don't need any more inv- outside investment. If Josh Cronkay comes in and, and, and eventually takes over his farmer, his father, sorry, and it continues as is, I have not got a problem. As long as we're doing all we, what we can to stay at the top of the league, I ain't got a problem with that. But exactly. I want, I want the owner of the club to be a fan. I want my needs to be reflected at board level, level, and that's why I want Usmanov. Not for his but money. I think You've just said that the three percent that they is not a bad is not a bad deal. <laughs> yeah, no, but when I say that, G, I'm talking about singing sections. I'm talking about leading free. Uh, I'm talking about leading on the safe standing and that sort of thing. I'm talking about feeling valued. The three percent I'm fine with. But Mate, I'm talking have about you listened to what Gazidis has said about standing? Have you have you listened to what Gazidis has said about safe standing? Have you ever actually taken time to listen to what he said about safe standing? In life. He's in favour of it. Okay, if it comes so what's in. he done about it? We, we can't, can't do anything because the, law, the legislation won't be passed through. No, the hands are tied at the moment. Uh, there's, yeah. there's a lot of stadiums that want to stay standing, yeah, but their hands are tied. I haven't seen Arsenal coming out saying this. I haven't no, I, well, seen it. Gazidis has said that in the past. The oh, thing is, he could just be hiding behind the fact that they can't do anything about it. So he, you never know if he's truly... He might just say, oh, yeah, we, we would, but we can't. But Yeah. He has spoken about it. They have, they have said... Um, Re- uh, relatively recently, that they, they would they would like to explore the idea, but they're, they're currently restricted yeah, because of the law. With the, with Usmanov, though, you say he's a fan. I'm sure, okay, if he is, fair enough. But you don't get that far in business by following your heart above your head. You know, it's all well and good thinking of a romantic idea where he does these things that perhaps aren't the most financially. Uh, correct options, but it benefits the fans. But you never really know if that's how he would do it. That's what my, my worry would be as well. Like, I don't yeah, know. Of course, I'm, I am. I, you, you might be a fan second, businessman first. That's how I would probably guess. Look, I'm not be. claiming to know the guy personally. I'm just saying that if someone's willing to invest that much in a football club, um, you know, uh, as a fan, and he said it, it is as a fan first, you know, and it happens to be an investor. I assume, on a logical basis, that he's doing it for the right reasons and he will be doing what's best for the club. And given his track record in business, he's no mug. Mm. Well, but, I mean, yeah, if, if we're spending money and we're, you know, actually buying players of Ursula's calibre on a consistent basis and we're getting in the financial deals, like you spoke about a few weeks ago, that we should be getting, then I don't really have too much of an issue with who owns the club. I mean, we've, we've complained about Cronkie over the years, but... You look at some of the other owners, and it, it could be a hell of a lot worse. You know, he's not trying to change the club colours or the club name, and you know. So, and we are he, there has been investment. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like at the moment the way things are going, I'm not too too fussed about how it, you know it seems to be okay at the moment. Yeah. I think as long yeah. as as long as we're um, you know top of the league, we're doing well. All of us want the same thing. And yeah. in a nutshell, we want Arsenal to be successful on and off the pitch. If we can maintain that, whether it be under Usmanov or Kroenka or Kroenke or whatever his face is, do you know, what? I think we should all be happy. This is this is this goes on to the rant, isn't it? The, the rant yeah. of the week with our fans. Exactly. Exactly. But I just I just think it would be if we win the league this season or in the next couple of years, it would be incredible because I think you hear. I don't know if you saw that. Um, the Monday Night Football last week, but Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher both said that if United or Liverpool don't win it, we want Arsenal to win it, because I think people respect the fact that if the title race is Chelsea City and ourselves this season, we're the club that will have done it the hard way. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have benefited from oil money to get us where we are. So anything we win will be so much sweeter, because we paid for it ourselves. We, you know, we, we, we got, from our own revenue, we went and bought these players 
and built a team through other methods. Look at how many of our players now either came through the youth system or were bought young or bought relatively cheaply and developed. So I want to maintain that. You know, I want to be able to win, but I also want to be able to say we did it the hard way and we didn't do it by spending 40, 50 million pounds on players with the money earned in the oil industry and yeah, in the Middle East or Russia. That's that's my opinion. That's what right. I, I feel like whatever we do when we'll be so much sweeter because of the, the journey we've been on, the way we've done it, uh, which I think is it would be a kind of a bit of a, a shining beacon in modern day football, which a lot of people seem to have. And that has of, to continue. That yeah. has to continue. You know, I actually, I um, a few years ago, I went to the Emirates Cup friendly and I went club level, thought I'd experience it, and I bumped into Ken Fryer and great little story this he was in his uh, diamond area and there was a there's a little gate that you open to get in there from like you know the other club level bit and I said to a steward oh can I I, I, I want to go um, see Ken Fryer because there was a little kid who he was talking to me and he was saying oh my friend's granddad is Ken Fryer and I was like yeah right whatever call him then so he actually called Ken Fryer and I said to the steward oh can I get in just so I can get a picture and the steward goes need you really think I'm going to open this gate and let you get in there so then Ken Fryer standing behind me and I said to Ken um Ken, listen, mate, it's practically your club. Tell him to open it. And he goes to him, I'll go and open it, let him. And, like, you know, really nice guy. Let me do it. Got a picture with him. And then I said to him at the time, you know, don't ever sell out. Don't ever do that sort of thing. And he appreciated the comments. Had a nice little chat with him. You know, and I do stand by that. I don't want to be misquoted here that I want oil money. Definitely don't. Well, yeah, Ken Fryer's, he's worked tirelessly for the club, you know. Really Even Peter Hillwood, who a lot of people, he's a lot of, you know, the last few years he's in the uh, AGMs and stuff. He's not exactly covering himself in glory, but he's an Arsenal man, isn't he? And, um, I don't. I think we all just want. I just like being a. Cl- I just. <laughs> I like being able to slag off Chelsea and City. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's part of it. Take and, uh, the moral high ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, there is there is the model that we've. I mean, you look at guys like Lauren Koscielny who was you know a, a good League One player and now he's one of the best defenders in Europe in my eyes because we fought him, we developed him. You know, it's all well and good buying Sergio Aguero and Yaya Torre for 60, 70 million between them because they're established stars. It's not difficult integrating them into a team but it, there's something awesome about seeing a player which we talk about Per Mertesacker, you know, he came and we all thought, like, as you said, geez, he's slow and he's not going to be good enough and now we're raving about him because he's, he's playing like, he's reminding us of Tony Adams. like So... You know, there's something about that that I love, you know, and I wouldn't want to... I mean, but then again, if we're buying Thiago Silva for 50 million, you, kind of, you wouldn't be complaining, would you? So, See, Callum uh, raises a good point. I mean, it's all, it's all so well and good saying, oh, we have the best team in the world at the moment, like Man City fans may be able to say, but where's, where's, your, next, where's your next stars coming from? But you can easily go out and buy them. You look at Arsenal Arsenal at the moment. We've got uh, we've got Nabry coming through. We've got Selalem coming through. You know, we've got um, who is it? The little right back that came from Barcelona. Bellerin. Uh, Bellerin coming through. We've got John Torrell. We've got this Tony Sanabria coming through. Arsenal don't only look towards the here and now. They look towards the future, which is what I love about our club. Definitely, fully agree. And you, I mean, how satisfying is it seeing Aaron Ramsey play the way he is now, having yeah. grown as a player at this club rather than be bought as the ready-made article? You know, if he ends up going on to play for Real Madrid or something, they'll be buying him for forty, fifty million as a world-class footballer, not as the raw talent. And that's why I think players like Fabregas and these guys who do move on will always look back and thank Arsene Wenger because they, whilst they had the natural talent, Wenger is a genius at bringing the best out of these players. But I just thought we have. I just hope we have all of that and we have an f- owner who cares about the fans. That's what I want. That's my dream scenario. And you bring a player... Sorry, because I, I know that G <laughs> wants to move on, but the, the final thing is, you bring a player through the youth ranks and, and it's a 
the, the epitome is with Wilshire as well. You look at him when he plays for our club, and he puts a hundred million percent in every game because yeah. he came here as a nine-year-old. Yeah. He's worked his way through, and he loves the club. You don't get that from someone like Sergio Aguero. It's like it made oh. me laugh. Fernandinho, he kissed the badge. He's been there a month. It's just <laughs> like, oh fuck off. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, I've, I've shut up now. G, move on. Thank you. <laughs> Can we move on now? <sighs> Thank Sorry, you. G. It's boring, it's good. <laughs> Fuck the format, <laughs> we're, we're going rogue. <laughs> yeah, again, off-piste. <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on seamlessly to our next and final subject, we have the 30-second rant. You know how it goes, boys. You know, you've got some, someone in your, your crosshairs that you want to target. Here's your chance, 30-second rant. If in doubt, get it out. Let's start with you, Cal. You've got 30 seconds. I suppose you get the countdown. Bloody. You were, you lazy bastard. <laughs> no. Jeez. All right, next week. All right, all right. All right. So, okay, so your 30 seconds starts... Bib, bib, bib. Is that started? Bib. Bloody hell. Right. <laughs> Please, it starts now. Um, mine is Michael Owen, all right? I've changed what I was going to say earlier, because I just re- remembered Saturday when you're losing 6-3, and you've got his voice over the top, and there's nothing worse than losing, but also the gaming commentated by this... A guy from horse racing, I've no idea why BT Sport got him, I've no idea where they're persisting with him. It doesn't matter who you support, everyone hates him. He's got the most boring voice ever, he also clearly doesn't like Arsenal. That article he wrote about Arsenal not being a top four side was bullshit. I just can't stand the man, and I quite like BT Sport otherwise, but he is just awful. He should stick to what he knows, which is horse racing, and just stop commentating on our games or any games, because he's an idiot. Cool. Alright, thank you very much. Uh, we're moving on to, who did I say was next? Is it you? Mo, or was it Gimli? Let Gimli go. Let the guests go first. Go on, Gimli. See, um, I was going to moan about the fans that... I haven't started yet. I was going to moan about the fans (laughs) that constantly berate us no matter how well we're doing. Top of the league and at a point, top of the Champions League, still moaning about, you know, how we could do this, that and that wrong. But I'm not. I've just found out that Andy Murray has won Sports Personality of the Year. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I know the boy's an Arsenal fan. You can start your clock now, by the way. But I know the boy's an Arsenal fan, but I have seen more personality and an unpolished turd than I have in Andy Murray. And I, like I said, I know he's an Arsenal fan, but Jesus Christ, what's fucking wrong with this country? Giving a man like that sports personality of the year. I love Murray. That's a twat. No, he's not. He's brilliant. He won Wimbledon. No, I couldn't give a fuck. Guys, listen. Sports personality of the year lost any credibility Giggs. when Brian Giggs won it, okay? Oh, so, Andy Murray's an improvement in my did, book. Did, can I just say, did you not hear the countdown song as you were talking? No. no. Nobody heard the countdown song. No, no mate. This is no. so amateurish. You shouldn't have mentioned it. Jesus. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Well, I was just playing. You'll never come oh. back on now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no, I'll come, come on back on. No problems. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, now we've finally over to you, Mo. So you've got 30 seconds, loosely speaking. Oh, it's going to be tough because I'm going to read out a quote from the Chartered Accountants of Scotland who talk about non-executive directors. The non-executive director role is to participate fully in the sorry. functioning... What? Have we stopped... Uh, sorry, is this part of the 30 seconds? Is this the Start from now. Right. Alright, go. The NED's role is to participate fully in the functioning of the board, advising, supporting, and asking the right questions of management. It is a challenging position which requires knowledge, confidence, and analytical skills, and an external objective viewpoint. 
in order to assist the company's board. Now, you tell me, how the hell is Josh Kroenke external and objective, and what knowledge does he have of English football? I'm livid that he's come in as a non-executive director. And for me, I'm going to eagerly look to the next set of financial statements at Arsenal, because this, if it is a way of extracting money out of the club, I'm going to be absolutely <laughs> livid. <laughs> that was so pitiful. You barely hear it. <laughs> I can just hear that in the background. But then it would go quiet and it would come back. It would have been better if he hummed it. <laughs> it would have been better, yeah. I was, I, I was quite, was it there? Oh, no, it is there. Then it goes away and then... I was oh. trying to do it between speaker to speaker. Sorry. Come on, did you finish? Did you, I did, yeah, but, you know, kind of... Well, you make a good point, no but I, I was distracted by... But yeah, you know, my my concern is, in five seconds, this could be a way of just basically cash extraction from the club. And if that is the case, it's a piss take. Absolutely, I agree 100%. To finish Callum's comment, literally, you can make a man do something for Movember, but you can't make him a talented commentator. He's a lady garden, not Owen. Ugh, oh, it's awful. His monotone uh, voice just grips my shit. It's just every time he's on, I just like going on Twitter and searching Mike Lowe and other people just raging at him, and it makes me feel better. I'm like, oh, good, I'm not the only one who can't stand this twat. Like, he, he makes me want to break my TV. He literally, he's he's my own head. he could be like a world famous philosopher and have the most interesting things to say, but with that fucking voice, like, I just want to self harm. But the thing is, he has that awful voice. It's very, it's very uh, a hashtag question on Twitter, isn't it? What did Michael Bowen want, you make, want to make you do to yourself? Uh, in we a bad are not, not promoting self-harm. Please do not self-harm. <laughs> Seek some help. But, but, like, so don't listen to Michael Owen, because it might draw a push yeah, to the end. Okay, he makes me want to eat my own fucking ears. <laughs> Mate, you should see the sign of mine ears. My ears. <laughs> and also, it was, like every time, it was like every time Torre picked up the ball and ran with it, Owen was like, oh... That is just incredible. He's such a great player. The way he moves from like one place to another without losing the ball, like it's just amazing. I'm like, we literally had no centre midfield. We took Flavity off and put Nabry on. Maybe we should put um, maybe we should put Josh Kroenke in centre midfield because he's got just yeah, as much place being there as in the non-executive directors. And, and did anyone hear on match of the day last night? I did tweet this. I was going to save it for our one, but he said, "Oh, Theo Walcott denied a hat trick by a man half his size." Uh, yeah. Hold on, I'm sorry, right? But the last time I checked, Theo Walcott wasn't three foot four. <laughs> I don't, don't know if anyone could shed any light on that. I didn't think he was. He's not a fucking Hobbit. <laughs> uh, Hobbit and Gandalf. That's incredible. All right, then, fellas. Look, it's been a wonderful show once again. I've got to, I've got to thank our, uh, our special guest, Guna Gimli. It's been great having you on, mate. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. Would you come on again? You and Danny next time. Would you both? Of course I would. Off? If I can drag his lazy ass out of bed. <laughs> he's probably still in bed. Either that or watching porn. He's terrible on a Sunday. He's not an expert to fancy. He likes to jack off to, you know, two girls, one cup or something like that. Well, gee, <laughs> cut all of this out. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the countdown. <laughs> all right then, guys. So it's good night from Gimli. Good night. Good night from Callum. Good night. And it's good night from Mo. I hate Tottenham, but I love them when they lose fighting. Yep, and shout-outs goes to um, a village bum. You know, um, what was the other one you came up with? Somebody come up with something else, didn't they? Some other AVB. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, a violent beating. A violent beating, there you go. Any more before we go? No, just the hashtag AVBin. Yeah, <laughs> right, cool.
<laughs> All right, then, guys, thanks for coming on. That's been a Guna Rabble Gunaville podcast. Thank you. You have been listening to the Guna Ramble, a Guna's World podcast.